to the worship service of the Greater Little Zion Baptist Church. You don't know how excited we are that you have tuned in and you're going to be a part of this worship experience today. It's our prayer that the word of God will bless your spirit, give you direction for your life during the course of the week, and that the singing will inspire you to rejoice and exceedingly rejoice in the kingdom of God. So sit back, be blessed as God ministers to you through birth, both the singing and the word of God. Be blessed. friends, and guests, here are our weekly announcements. Next Sunday, we will be celebrating our pastor, Reverend Dr. James T. Murphy, 22nd pastoral anniversary with the guest speaker, Reverend Dr. William Curtis, and this will be a live 10 a.m. worship experience. 
We are so excited to worship with you and also have included some really cool ways that you can join us in our celebration. You can come to the drive-by parade next Saturday, March the 13th. You can also donate a canned food drive that will be happening on March the 13th, or you can send us a one to two minute recorded celebratory message. On Saturday, March the 20th, from 10 a.m. to 12 p.m., we will be having a drive-through food distribution. The pickup location will be right at Zion at 10185 Zion Drive. The food is distributed first come, first serve, while the supplies last. This Wednesday, we will be having our weekly prayer meeting at 6 p.m. and our virtual adult Bible study also Wednesday at 7.30 p.m. through Zoom. Every weekend, we also engage in our Sunday schools. Our Saturday Sunday school will be this Saturday at 9 a.m. and the adult Sunday school will be this Sunday at 8.30 a.m. We truly thank you so much for joining us in our worship experience, and we cannot wait to continue to worship with you this Sunday. Have a blessed day. Zion. Before we get started with the sermon, let me express my gratitude and thankfulness, of course, to those who both orchestrated as well as participated in our Black History program on last Sunday morning. It was certainly indeed informative, and I want to thank all who made that possible. We certainly do appreciate that kind of contribution. I do want you to know that we're looking forward to some others as we did with Brother Wrighton to share their testimony with us as well so that we can actually realize the historical settings that we have within our own congregation, persons who've been engaged in Afrocentric history, who actually have made some history, and we need to know the kind of contributions they can make to our educational aspect as well. So look forward in the future to some of the other interviews we're gonna do, and again, I certainly appreciate those who made this moment possible for us. If you will, get your Bibles and join us this morning in the book of Exodus, the book of Exodus chapter 13, and we're going to read two verses, verses 17 and 18. The book of Exodus chapter 13, verses 17 and 18. Today, first Sunday, we're going to begin for this month a new series of sermons under the general title, Redirecting for Progress. Redirecting for Progress. And today's sermon, again, comes from Exodus chapter 13. We're going to read verses 17 and 18. Here's what it says. Now it came about when Pharaoh had let the people go, 
that God did not lead them by the way of the land of the Philistines, even though it was near. For God said, lest the people change their minds when they see war and they return to Egypt. Hence, God led the people around by the way of the wilderness to the Red Sea. And the sons of Israel went up in martial array or military order from the land of Egypt. Our subject for this lesson today is God, is this the only way, the zigzag route? God, is this the only way, the zigzag route? Most of us probably remember and we still enjoy the singing of those grand old hymns, particularly as they relate to this subject matter we're talking about in terms of God's leadership. Remember that old hymn, lead me, guide me along the way, for if you lead me, I will not stray. Or we remember the old hymn, when he leads me, I will follow, or where he leads me, I will follow. Or how about the classic of Dr. Watts, in which he sings, guide me, O thou great Jehovah, pilgrim through this barren land. And then, of course, one of the favorites that we cannot forget, precious Lord, take my hand, lead me on, let me stand, I am tired, I am weak. I am worn through the storm, through the night. Lead me on to the light. Take my hand, precious Lord, lead me home. Those are words that come out of the spirit that encourages us to understand the importance and arguably the necessity of God being the leader of our lives. They're beautiful hymns. But I got to admit, in listening to that, there is a bit of concern as I remember those hymns in conjunction with the text of Exodus chapter 13, verses 7, 17 and 18. I was taught in school, maybe you were as well, that the shortest distance between two points is a straight line. The shortest distance between two points is a straight line. And yet, I've discovered often God seems to take us not on the straight line course all the time, but through these zigzag courses, these courses that although they lead to our destination, but it just seems like to me, as the text suggested, that the shortest route very well could have been just as effective in accomplishing to get to the destination. Or is there another reason why? That might explain why the text says that God took Israel around to the wilderness instead of the short distance that's between the two points. Because simply going straight the joy is you can almost see victory. You can smell it. You can taste your blessing. But God oftentimes chooses not to take us on the straight journey. Instead, he redirects our life for the sole purpose of progress. He doesn't allow us to quickly get that clear vision, but he allows it to quickly increase in cloudiness. Instead of ascertaining that sweet smell of victory that's right around the corner, instead we get a sniff of the promised land and the land of honey, but yet it's a far distance off. Have you noticed that the course that God sometimes uses leads us into what may be concerned or considered as dichotomous situations? In following God's direction, it can likewise put you between a rock and a hard place. 
when you allow God to direct you, if you pay attention, you'll probably notice that several things happen. First, that whenever God begins to direct you, there seems to be a sea before you. And if you look to the left or the right, there's mountains on the side of you. And if you look to the rear, in the context of the story, there's Pharaoh's army that seems to be in pursuit of you. You don't have anything but problems in all directions. And you kind of wonder, why did God put me in this kind of situation? It sort of reflects what Israel kept saying to Moses when things didn't go according to plan. Why did you bring us out here to fail? We could have stayed in another place. In fact, the question may very well be asked, Lord, is this the only way you can lead me through a zigzag course? And I want to suggest that God will say yes because God is really saying, in essence, the route that I'm leading you on is the best route for you to take right now. He knows exactly what we can and cannot handle at that moment on the journey. I've discovered sometimes that God also won't lead you to any point where he can't take you and take care of you. He knows the best route. He knows where we are going. And he also knows the obstacles that are on that zigzag route, but also the obstacles that lie on the straight route line as well. God never chooses a route for us to take so that we can start worrying over the route. Understand that worry and anxiety are nothing more than tools that are used by the enemy and the devil always wants us to worry about the route that God chose for us for several reasons. Number one, he wants you and I to worry about whatever route that God sends us on because he knows that worry will affect our worship. Worry will affect our worship. It's really difficult to worship God when you are worried about what's going to happen in your life when you're worried about something that's going on and you're worried about what the conclusion might be. Worship involves us forgetting about those things around us, forgetting about ourselves and concentrating on celebrating and giving, giving God glory. We can't do that if we're worried about the things that are taking place in our lives. And Satan knows if I can get you to worry about what's going on, it will keep you from worshiping God. The second reason I think that Satan likes to utilize worry and anxiety is because worry also will affect our witness. It's difficult to tell someone about Jesus when you are worried about things panning out in your life, how those things are going to affect your life. You're not in any spirit to try to tell anybody about what God can do, what God has done, what God will do. You're more concerned about what's going to happen in my own life. But Satan knows if I can get you to worry about the journey that you are on, you will not only not worship, but you will further not witness. There's a third thing. Satan knows that if he can agitate us to worry about things, to be full of anxiety, it will also affect our wisdom. It will also affect our wisdom. When you worry about the present condition, it's hard to remember the past provisions that God has provided. The devil knows that when you start worrying about the place where God led you, you won't reflect on those past victories that God has led you through. 
because those past victories are the very inspiration that you will need to help you get through the present predicament that you are in. And so what Satan does is attempts to cut off your wisdom from the past victories that God has given and he knows if you can worry, you won't remember from where God has brought you. Then there's a fourth thing. Satan knows that if he can get us full of anxiety and worry, it will not only affect our worship, affect our witness, affect our wisdom, but it will also affect our waiting, our waiting on God. The devil has a way of trying to convince you that you should go back to where you came from. See, that's what happened to Israel. They constantly wanted to go back to Egypt. And the enemy wants you to turn around and go back from that which God has delivered because now you are on a different course to a different destination and that course is not a straight line, but it's a zigzag course. And God is taking you through some experiences that you never anticipated but that's okay because notice if he put you there, there is divine provision. Whatever that is that you need. That provision is made clear on that route. But the enemy says if I can get you to worry about it, you won't wait on God. Instead, you'll try to get ahead of God. And I'm here to try to let you know that God knows what's best for you. I'm only telling you what I've experienced myself. Because I've tried to get ahead of God. I've tried to make the decision for God. I've tried to let God know that it takes God too long. But when you try to get ahead, I'm telling you, it will end in disaster. Because Satan knows if he can get you worrying about what the outcome will be, you will end up not waiting on God. I got to remind you of what Paul says to us in the Philippian letter, Philippians chapter 4, verse 6. When Paul admonishes us not to be anxious about anything, don't worry about nothing, but make your prayer request, your supplication, your issue, your problem. Take your worry to the Lord and leave it there, says Paul. Make your request be made known unto God and then the peace of God which surpasseth all understanding, will come down on you. That's what Satan doesn't want you to do. But he wants you to worry. And in worrying, you end up being defeated instead of being victorious. You can never alleviate your anxiety or your worry by laying on a psychiatrist's couch. That won't help you alleviate it. You, you can never alleviate your worry and your concern of anxiety by engaging in pharmaceutical issues. That won't help you as well. You can never alleviate your worry or your anxiety by getting in touch with some psychic connection. That won't help you neither. The only way you can do this, I believe, is to be connected with the word of God. That's where you're going to find the peace of God that gives your soul the necessary spirit of encouragement and the spirit of rest that God has it under control, that God will handle it. And let me warn you, that won't alleviate the activity in the air of spiritual wickedness in high places. There will still be the rise of disturbances to create a sense of detour to get off the route in your spirit because it's a zigzag course and you're not accustomed to what God is doing in the sense of you're still trying to figure out why did he take me this route instead of the shortest route and God is saying in contemporary terms I got you but I took you here for a reason I got you on this zigzag course for some very significant reasons for your own spiritual development, for your own spiritual comprehension. 
God says, I got you on this course. Read the story in Exodus chapter 32 or chapter 13. It's here where the firstborn in Egypt has been slain and yet God tells Israel, I want you to give, dedicate to me the firstborn of everyone, whether it's that of human or even that of the animal kingdom. I want the firstborn dedicated to me. And then in that dedication, what I want you to do is to prepare yourself what we will later call this Passover supper. But right now, these are the preparatory moments. And when you read chapter 13, something interesting happens here. God, once again, dips into the past of Israel's history to remind them that even though you're going to go on a zigzag course, remember our past journey together. When you read the text, verse 3 tells us this. It says, and Moses said to the people, remember this day in which you went out from Egypt, from the house of slavery, for by a powerful hand the Lord brought you out from this place, and now I don't want you to eat anything that has leaven." I don't want you to associate your soul with anything that rises in terms of sin. Sin, leaven represents sin in the Old Testament and Moses simply informs the people, don't connect yourself with the past life that God has delivered you from. One reason why God is redirecting your life is perhaps to help you understand, I want to get you away not only from what I have delivered you from, but also I don't want you to have an easy access to come back. See, a straight line would make that quite easy to go out and to turn around and come back. But a zigzag, a zigzag course with cuts and with curves and with hills and with valleys and all kinds of differences that's not included on the straight line will cause you to think twice about trying to come back. And it is here that God, through Moses, reminds Israel, don't forget the hand, the mighty hand that brought you out from that oppressive hand of the Pharaoh, of the Egyptians. Do you see that parallel to your life? God saying, don't forget how I have brought you out under the mighty hand of oppression, under the mighty hand of sickness, under the mighty hand of economic oppression, of economic depravity, of relational deficiency, how I have brought you through. And here you are, because I've changed course on you. You're wondering, why am I doing this? But your wonder is not in the sense of amazement. Your wonder is in the sense of questioning me. Look at the text even in verse 5 where God says through Moses to Israel, it shall be when the Lord brings you to the land of the Canaanite, the Hittite, the Amorite, the Hivite, and the Jebusite, which he swore to your fathers to give you a land flowing with milk and honey that you shall observe this right in this month. Already establishing the fact that as I bring you through, I want you to celebrate the monumental moment to which I've intervened, interjected, and inspired your life. And here it is, God trying to tell you right now, on that zigzag course that he has taken you, he has redirected your life in a direction that you never thought of. He says, but remember, let's have that moment of the memorial in which I brought you out before. Look what he says in verse 8. You shall tell your sons on that day, saying, it is because of what the Lord did for me when we came out of Egypt. See, when you look at Hebrew history, the moment, the exodus, the coming out of Egypt, they are never to forget. And I want to contend that those of us of African-American descent, there's a history that we have. We should never forget, never forget how we have come through many dangers, toils, and snares. We must never forget how we persevered and fought and hung on to the strength and the grace and the mercy of God 
to see us through the storms. We must never forget when we encountered a present moment of zigzag course of leading us to a destination. Verse 14, he tells them again, he keeps reminding them in this 13th chapter, with a powerful hand, the Lord brought us out of Egypt from the hand of slavery. And that's why every now and then you ought to stop and take inventory just to remember how the Lord has brought you from a mighty long way, how he's opened doors, how he's touched in your life, how he's reconnected, how he has resurrected, how he has restored your soul. You must never forget those grand moments. It's repeated here in this chapter. See verse 16. So shall, so it shall serve as a sign on your hand and as phylacteries in your forehead, for with a powerful hand the Lord brought us out of Egypt. See that repeated phrase? So they were to use it as symbolically seeing the hand of God, but even to write it on their forehead. The Hebrew priests would put phylacteries, were small boxes where they would keep the Ten Commandments inside of them and place them around their forehead as a symbolic reminder of the law of God. In other words, Moses is trying to convey to us right now on that zigzag course that God has you on, remember the word of God. Remember how the 23rd Psalm has blessed your life. Remember how you found inspiration in the 27th Psalm. Remember how you recognize that waiting on God in Isaiah 40 and 35 31 renewed your strength and mounted you up with wings like eagles the word is a part of what gives you inspiration it reminds you of the greatness to which God has brought you and now verse 17 says they are, as they are about to lead Egypt to leave Egypt the Bible says that when Pharaoh let them go look what the text says God did not lead them by the way of the land of the Philistines, which would have been a straight shot to Canaan. Straight shot. But instead, says the text, God said, if I did that, I, I know that when the people will change their mind when they see war. When they see war, they'll want to return back to Egypt. So God says, I'm going to lead them around through the wilderness to get them to the Red Sea. And as I come to the close, here's God trying to tell you right now, I'm, I'm taking you around the wilderness for two good reasons. The first one is, here it is, and it's not going to make you shout, but it should pique your interest. I'm taking you around the long way on the zigzag course because I'm preparing you for another adversity. Oh, God. You're preparing me for another adversity? That's what I'm doing. See, one of the reasons God chose this zigzag course because he knew that it would be filled with problems, with pain and with pressure, but each of those prepares us for the future adversity. Have you noticed that when you come through one storm, when the next one shows up, you have a tendency not to lose your mind? You may ask yourself the question why, but you just buckle up and know, I've been here before. I know what I need to do. I need to strengthen my faith. I need to strengthen my stand, strengthen my expectation, and trust in the provision of God. And God takes and uses the pain, the problems, the pressures on this zigzag course because God knows that you and I are really not ready for the straight line route 
because there's the possibility of war on the straight line. See, that's the reason why God gave here in verse 17. I couldn't take them there. I couldn't let them go straight line from Egypt to Canaan through the land of the Philistines, knowing that when they saw the Philistines, the giants that existed there, and the threat of war, remember, Israel is not a fighting people. There are no military intelligence there. They, they don't have sophisticated weaponry. They are a nomad people. They wander and move through the wilderness. That's why they had to hail themselves under the theocratic hand of God so that God would lead them and protect them. That's why God tells them, you are my people and I'm your God. I will watch over you. All you got to do is believe and trust me. He says, I knew if they saw war, they would turn around and go back to Egypt. In other words, rather than to fight their way to freedom, they'd rather go back to bondage. And maybe what God is trying to tell you in this zigzag course that he has you on is, I got to get you prepared to fight for the freedoms that you're going to engage so that you don't get scared or get intimidated by what people are doing and retrieve back to bondage. That's why as a people, we got to keep fighting for social justice. We got to keep fighting for equality. We can't go back to where we were in 1619 and think that things are going to be better. They're going to get worse. And we're on this zigzag course right now. You would think that here we are some 400 plus years later that things would be much better. Instead, we're still fighting the same battles. But notice, we're well prepared for each battle. We get through it. We persevere. And when they think that they can exterminate us, here we are standing here again, strong, with dignity, power, with all of our humanness, proving their idiotic assumptions wrong every single time. And that's because God's got us on this zigzag course, never giving us a straight line to justice or a straight line to freedom or a straight line to righteousness, or a straight line to equality. But he puts us on these zigzag courses. And what does he do? He raises up a group of young female fighters of justice. And they create what's called Black Lives Matter. And what happens, the oppressor gets angry and calls them every name that could be possibly thought of. But it doesn't stop the momentum. Doesn't stop because on this zigzag course, it's the provision of God because God's preparing us in the process for the next adversity. Got to hurry up, lest I hold you too long. They needed to go through some things first. They had to do that. God realizes that when we have a testimony under our belts, it prepares us for the test that's on the road we need to witness our red seas in life to prepare us for the next great thing that they'll have before them. And that's the Jericho wall in Jericho. And that's what God does. But they looked only at the surface of things. You know, they, they couldn't understand why. Here's something to remember. Remember how infuriated Pharaoh was uh, when Moses first got there and Moses delivered God's message. And Pharaoh became so upset that he ordered the taskmasters to double the workload of the Hebrew slaves and then he caused, he instructed them and caused them to make brick without straw, thinking that that indeed would stop them and cause them to submit unto his oppressive hand. Can you imagine how difficult that was for them? It was hard enough with a workload increase, but to produce brick without straw was almost an impossible task. The Hebrews were upset with Moses for bringing on that hardship, and they wish he had never come out to them in the first place. But they only looked at what was going on on the surface 
and God was looking beyond that. They looked at the present, but God was looking at the future. They made brick without straw. Watch how they adapted in this adversity. What did they do? Well, they actually resorted, resorted to what they did in making wine. They would put grapes in a large tub and they would jump in there and step on those grapes with their feet for hours and in return, squishing those grapes, pressing out the wine. And what did they do? To make brick, they added what little straw they had and they could find to make mortar. They jumped in there and they walked on it for hours. And they did that day after day. Now, as I close, watch this, because I got to let you go. What appeared to be a cruel punishment from Pharaoh was actually a blessing from God. See, when you look at it from Pharaoh's perspective, it was excessively cruel. That's what he wanted, cruelty. He wanted to make them feel his oppressive hand. But when you look at it from God's perspective, it was exercise. Exercise because the more they walked around in the mortar, the more strength they gained in their legs and they would need that strength for the upcoming journey, the trip that they were going to take as they leave Egypt, cross the Red Sea, and make their way toward Canaan. They needed to be in shape physically because the freedom that they so desired awaited them them but they could only get in shape they could only get prepared on a zigzag course and not on a straight line my brothers and sisters I came to tell you today that when you travel on the zigzag course keep in mind God is simply preparing you for something that you aren't presently prepared for as a matter of fact, when you find yourself where God led you and you face problems, do yourself a favor. Go ahead and celebrate, rejoice, because God is getting ready to do something great in getting you through. So the question, Lord, <laughs> is this the only way, the zigzag course? Yes. Yes. Because God says, I'm redirecting your life. I'm doing this for progress, to grow you. So that when the next adversity comes, you'll be able to handle it without any hesitation. You'll be able to handle it without any hesitation because you've already been through the rigor to prepare yourself. Closing point, then I'm done. God not only prepares us for the next adversity, but God also patterns us after our divine advocate, Jesus the Christ. Did you know that sometimes your zigzag course is filled with trials and troubles and tribulations, pains, problems, pressures, because God is actually fine-tuning the process to mold us into mature believers that he wants us to be. Pattern after his son, Jesus the Christ, our Lord and Savior. God is positioning us to do so. Our goal as believers is to strive and become more like Christ every day. And God is not pleased when we remain babes in Christ forever. So what does he do? He takes us off that straight line of comfort. That straight line of complacency. And puts us on a zigzag course of trouble, tribulation. 
things that stretch us because he wants us to grow up. Some of us would never grow up without those problems in our life. Here's an interesting thing one pastor conveys, and I'll close with this. In his Bible study, he thought he would ask the question, how many of you know Romans 8.28 by heart? Nearly everyone in the room raised their hand. And then he said, but then I asked the question, how many of you know Romans 8.29 by heart? Only two people out of 30-something raised their hand. Well, what does Romans 8.29 say? For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestine to be conformed to the image of his son. Yep, all things indeed work together for the good, but there is a purpose involved. God works it all to good, redirects for the sole purpose of creating greater progress in our life. The main purpose is to transform us into, transform us into the image of his son. It's God's desire for the believer to be more like his son. Therefore, he allows us to hang out on these zigzag courses, knowing that when we get to the end, it would have all worked together for the good. And perhaps God's got you there right now. You, you, you're right in the midst of a zigzag course. In fact, you're stuck in a turn. You may be off in the ditch. You may be struggling trying to get up the hill. The zigzag course has all these different variances, whereas the straight line is just that, smooth sailing. But no, that's not what God decides. I put you on that zigzag so we can strengthen your faith, increase your hope, challenge your trust, measure where you are, see how much horsepower you have in going through the valley of the shadow of death. And yet, he's working it out for the good. Is this the only way, God? Yep, the zigzag course. And you'll find out how victorious it is when you get to the end. Our Father, thank you for the word here in Exodus chapter 13. And our prayer of the day is that as we make our way in this series this month, we'll be dealing with this text of Exodus 13 that you will grant us clear understanding of why you redirect our lives to go through different spaces, far different than what we expected. But thank you. Thank you for knowing that somehow you're working it all for the good because you already pre-knew, foreknew what we need to become what you would have us to be. Today, my prayer is always, Lord, somebody would hear this word and they would become your child. You would become their savior. They would invite you into their heart and their life would never be the same. I trust that will be the experience for somebody today. In Jesus' name, amen. Again, always my prayer, always my hope that the word of God brings about revelation that challenges you to consider the transformative power of God. And may today, I pray, be the beginning point of a new journey for you as your life is changed and you embrace the person of Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior and walking with him, you already have heard me say, will not allow you to stay on the straight line, but will take you on some zigzag courses. Ah, but you will experience a relationship with God that otherwise would not be known. Our prayer today also is that we give our appreciation to those of you who constantly, constantly give support to this ministry. Thank you so much for that support, knowing that as you give, it permits us to make ministry possible. 
We encourage you to continue to do so, continue to pray for us, continue to lift our congregation in prayer. And those of you who are tuning in and yet you're not members of our church, consider becoming a part of the Great Little Zion Baptist Church. We'd love to have you as a member. We may not be able to receive you now in the physical space, but we sure can find a way to receive you in the virtual space. So we invite you to let us know what you would desire to do if you want to become a part of this fellowship. We love you and thank God for you and pray that the word continues to bless you. Now as we get ready to depart from you, we again encourage you always at the end of this broadcast, you will see various ways in which you can support our church. Please feel free to do so. But know this, God loves you and so do I. And I always encourage you, please have a blessed, wonderful day, wonderful week in the Lord and celebrate his goodness in Jesus' name. Amen.